This show was first broadcast on Free FM 89.0, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access radio station. For more information on our station and our wide range of programs, visit freefm.org.nz. Hamilton City Council has laid out a vision for the next 10 years. It's your city. Have your say. Consultation is now open on our 10-year plan. Go to hamilton.govt.nz and tell us what you think. Or if it's more convenient, drop into the council building or any one of our libraries. You've got until the 30th of April to make your submission. Have your say on your city. FM. It is Mark Bunting here on the Free Breakfast. Good morning, how are you? It's lovely to have your company this morning. It's uh, Three Dog Night, Old Fashioned Love Song. You may not know this, but the guy, Paul Williams, who uh, who wrote that song, um, and sang that song, obviously, he was um, a massive, massive songwriter. In fact, he wrote the Love Boat theme. He wrote the uh, Tonight Show theme for Johnny Carson. And uh, he was in Smoking the Bandit and the Doors as well. Now, you've got to be Googling that like crazy, aren't you? Speaking of crazy, let's um, uh, talk with our, uh, our mate Max Christopherson, who's on the blower, I think. There still, are you there, Max? Indeed I am. Good morning, Mr Bunting. Hey, mate, I thought you'd nodded off there and dribbled off onto your bovril. That's <laughs> n- nice to have you on the radio again. By crikey, we, we, hey, hey, we're getting some hits on the podcast, did you know? Yes, yes. It's, it's interesting. People seem to be enjoying us, which is fairly frightening when you think about it. No, we can't have that. We cannot have that. Stop enjoying us. You're not here to do that. Crikey. Hey, we had a, uh, a great day, I've got to say, as a councillor. Um, it looks like we're getting a favourable response to this brilliant parking initiative that's going on, the free parking. Well, where do we start, Mr Bunding, with that? Look, one of the things about the parking is you've got two ways of looking at it, in my view. One is it's fantastic that you've got cars in the CBD. But the second question is, is what are they there for? And for me, the issue central to the whole parking idea is, can you prove beyond any measure of doubt that the $800,000 it's cost to put this project in place is actually creating more than $800,000 worth of business for businesses in the CBD? And that's the issue for me. Secondly, I don't like paying for businesses to be businesslike. That's their business. So if I'm a ratepayer in Hamilton, I'm paying twice. That is, my rates go to help them get parking in the CBD, and then when I go and buy my coffee or cup of tea in the morning, I'm paying again. So, Mr Bunting, I think this time I'm not on your side. If those businesses want to survive, let them survive. It's not over to rate payers to subsidise commercial businesses. Yeah, unfortunately, Max Christopherson, you've fallen into a cavernous hole there with with uh, with your argument, and that is that you seem to think that parking is a product. Parking is actually a service that a council provides. Now, to, great, uh, to quote the, uh, the great Angela O'Leary, uh, she says, um, council provides things that the private industry, uh, the private sector wouldn't provide for the public. So, for example, stadia, uh, event centres, parks, swings, etc., etc., etc. Parking is one of those offerings because what was happening with the CBD is everyone was going to the base. Everyone was going to Chartwell because of the free parking up there. They love the free parking. And so we thought, you know, let's, let's make that offering uh, available in town. Now, the difference you've got in town is that parking is on the road. Now, road is prime, prime, prime real estate. Prime real estate. So if you're going to have parking, charge a decent amount of money for it. Um, and put a jolly good value on it, but also make a free offering. I've got to tell you, um, the trend is, is upwards. Uh, well, let me put it this way. Let me put it this way. We expected to lose a heck of a lot of money, 
uh, in the first year, and we haven't lost quite as much money as we thought. It's a victory! Founders in a council of bad as a victory, I have to say. But look, the, 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 the issue, Mark, I come back to simply is this, is that uh, we talked about this last week, in fact, is that mm. for me, you've got to have a reason to go into the CBD, and that reason, of course, is shopping and retail. Mm. And I would suggest to you there's a conflict of interest going on here, one of which is is a council is committed to having walkways and, and green space, and it reduced Victoria Street to two lanes. Mm. Now, mm. when mm. I was young and in Hamilton, I remember that being a bit of a mission to go from Woolworths, which is downtown next to Garden Place, mm. to get across to the regions or the embassy movie theatre across the street. It was four lanes. You had to pick your, your time. Mm. So for me, uh, the CBD in Hamilton is now very claustrophobic, and it's not a welcoming shopping environment. What it is, and I've said this before and I'll say it again, is that I think the way forward for the CBD is to abandon retail and have uh, a CBD which is there to service a, lived, a living community there. And that living community, of course, would come back to your idea, Mr. Bunting, about going mm, up, mm, not out. Mm. And that would mean that the CBD would have, if you like, a, a ready-made population to service. Yep. If we're going to go down this road of parking, there has to be a reason for people to park. And retail is dying. So for me, the rationale forward is not to have free parking. It's to actually facilitate students and others living in the CBD and bringing some life into that area. That's why people will go there. I do agree with you to an extent there, actually, Max, I've got to, I've got to say, and that that is where... Oh, no, it's a victory. It's an, a victory, to, Mark. To, to, to an extent. I think you missed the last bit. <laughs> the, um, because because well, I think that's where we will end up. And, and you're right, retail... Is, I don't think retail's dying. Retail's changing. People still want the shopping experience, but retail is changing to the big box barn stores, your Rebel Sports and your Briscoes and the likes, and people are going there en masse. I mean, you go to the base in the weekend, that's our leisure activity, that's our lake. <laughs> that's our beach, you know. That's yes, uh, and uh, and that's actually kind of sad in its own way. But um, strip, um, you know, what do you call it? Street shopping is going to be servicing those uh, those large accommodation venues that uh, that I'm really keen to get into the city. You're absolutely right. So we're going to have more delis. Uh, we're going to have more sort of boutique stores. We're going to have more service stores, more restaurants, etc. South of Garden Place is actually going to be quite the cultural precinct. If this theatre goes in, it's going to be quite the cultural precinct. And you know you've got the and look at the statues you've got the you've got the tongue of the dog statue you've got the Sapphire Jones statue and you've got that love it or hate it statue in uh, in Garden Place so you're yep. developing more of a, a more of a place to visit a place to see if we've got a massive playground in Garden Place for example with you know with no cars wouldn't that be a fantastic place for families to go and so I think you'll see that the retail will change and yet actually I think we will get to a no parking in the central city, but you can't do it straight away. First of all, you've got to activate it, then you've got to haul it back piece by piece by piece. I, I think at the end of it, Mark, there's going to be one particular issue that makes or breaks this, and that is going to be whether the, the money that's lost in parking revenue, which is going to be close to a million dollars by the time it's done when you consider the maintenance and ongoing costs for this uh, free parking idea, uh, that that is going to fall on ratepayers. And ratepayers right now are desperate. They're incredibly angry with what they're seeing. Everyone is confused. Former Deputy Mayor Gordon Chesterman has written a column this morning in the Waikato Times talking about how confused everyone is about the money. So I'm saying to you at this stage, I think you're all still confused. I don't think you actually know how much money this thing is going to cost. And I come back to the key point of this argument, which is it is not the role of ratepayers to fundamentally subsidise commercial business interests. 
That's if it that was, is zoned if, for the commercial was, business yeah, interest. That's if it was just a commercial zone. And like I'm, like I'm saying to you, it's a, it's a cultural zone as well. It's got to be a destination. And you do have to have a free offering down there. Why should we be charging for parking in, in one area of town over others? Because the issue is, is that no one has made free parking work. Every city that's tried it, from Wellington to Palmerston North, every other city that's tried free parking has failed. Nelson. One of the fundamental reasons why they fail is because you cannot uh, correctly attribute the commercial rise in business and, and foot traffic uh, and translating into more commercial business in the CBD to free parking. No one's been able to make it work. So I would say to you right now, the council is still confused and they're still looking at ways that they can make numbers make this idea look sustainable. And I'm saying if you ask ratepayers, hey, do you think it's right that you, you're losing $800,000 of your rates to subsidise the coffee shop and garden place? I tell you, every ratepayer would say, no, it's not my job to do that. It's but, not my money to do that with. And yet the biggest, the biggest complaint we get is that uh, town is dying, town is full of vagrants, town is a hollow hole. You know, we get that. But that's a, that's a, that's a social issue, not a commercial issue. And that comes back to, to central government policy and, and other issues. But I think the well, thing comes down to once again... What's the central government going to do to revitalise the CBD, though? What, what are they going to do? It's not their role to do that. That's right. the point. What they're telling you to do is to develop peacocks, and peacocks is, oh. is what they're telling you to do. Mm. So if you're looking at this, uh, this whole concept of free parking to revitalise the CBD, it won't. But what it, it is, will do is it simply... Is. It, is, I mean, it isn't. What it's doing is it's bringing more cars into the CBD, and that's all. No one has actually been able to correctly attribute more business to more cars in the CBD. We, I'll I mean, tell you what, Max. We'll have this discussion again in, um, in late May because the CBD are bringing their numbers in, and their month-by-month numbers have gone up, uh, their profitability numbers. Month-by-month numbers of what? Have gone of, you know, of retail spend has gone up. Of retail spend, but is that retail spend going to be attributed to, for example, by that time, we're going to be getting close to field days. And the issue for me is this, is it's not whether you're getting an increased retail spend, it's whether you're getting an increased retail spend in the CBD that can be correctly attributed to free parking. Yeah, and yeah, that, yeah. that's damn difficult to prove. Well, if you, if you go, when I say month by month, I mean January to January, you know, January by last January, February versus last February, etc., and on you go. So they're showing improvements. Where we will see it, and this, this may be quite convincing, is where, where we will see a result is when you compare uh, February versus February figures of the CBD versus Chartwell versus the base. And if the CBD has got greater increases than the other ones, surely it's got to be that. Well, that's assuming things. And that's what I'm saying is those assumptions can be um, completely proven to be something else. For example, one of the reasons why you might have greater traffic in the CBD for month on month is weather. It could be that February last year was rainy and people didn't go. It could be. And it's the same thing that comes back to traffic management, for example. Every year we hear that speed is the issue and other things create mm-hmm. uh, the problems and the advertisements from the NZTA is working to reduce traffic accidents. And they don't seem to work out that one of the reasons why people don't have accidents is primarily because it might be that they don't travel, that the roads for a particular month on month might be the weather is actually the main contributor, not speed at all. So there are things to me that need to be looked at very, very carefully when you uh, attribute whether the parking uh, concept uh, has worked. I mean, I think it's a brave idea in many ways mm. to try to facilitate people going into the CBD. But people aren't going to go into the CBD for parking. They're going to go into the CBD because they want something that they can't get at the base. So what exactly is that? That's, and, and that's an experience. See, here's my ultimate parking plan. And I think you'll like this one. I think you'll like this one. Uh, my ultimate parking plan, rip out all the meters and everyone pays by app. 
Okay? So what happens is you'll go in and the sensors, which we've got in because of this parking trial, are there. Okay? The sensors are there. Um, what we will we don't have yet and we've got to get soon is number plate recognition. So what will happen is a car, you'll come in and it'll go, uh, you'll park in there. You, you might make that noise if you so, so desire. Um, and it'll say, hello, Mr. Christopherson. I see you're parked in park 456B. Um, your free parking offering for the moment is, because of supply and demand, is... 15 minutes. You get 15 minutes free. Um, after that, you'll start to get charged $6 an hour or $4 an hour or whatever it is. At the end of that 15 minutes, you'll get an alert on your phone that'll say, all right, do you want to start uh, paying now or do you want to move? Um, and there won't be fines. There won't be fines. You'll just get charged automatically. Because when it came into this situation or when we, we first looked at this, get this, uh, roughly $1 million of revenue was from parking meters, $1 million was from off-street parking, and $2 million was from tickets and fines. So the whole revenue that the Hamilton City Council was deriving, or you know, the large part of the revenue that the Hamilton City Council was deriving from the parking system was based on people getting it wrong. And we wonder why people hate us. And so we had to turn around. Well, there are a lot of reasons for that, Mark. Yeah, okay. I can give you several if you like. But, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but that's, that's interesting. I don't think many people would actually know that, that no, that exactly. is where the revenue was coming from. Yeah, and, and that's the trouble. And they, so a, a, lot of, you know, a lot of systems are punitive systems. And so what, one big thing for me is to try and get it to be more of a service, more of a friendly uh, service. I mean, imagine if this app told you, hey, uh, Mr. Christopherson, I see you're parked outside um, such and such. I notice your registration's due in a week. And by the way, you're parked outside Starbucks. If you um, come and buy a cappuccino, here we'll pay for your first hour's parking that sounds wonderful and also you've got to say that if you told me that several years ago that i could go and do that on a toll road in new zealand yeah. that does much the same thing well, yeah. thought, well that's kind of cool but i doubt that we'll ever see that but well mm. it it works now you get the letter in the mail or the email saying hey you've used the toll road pay up yeah and that seems to work quite well so i think there is opportunity here but again i would come back to this point my view is it is not the ratepayer's responsibility to facilitate a parking system that is primarily designed to facilitate more commercial business. That is over for the commercial businesses to figure out why they are successful or not successful. And it is not for me. I mean, I, have, I hold exactly the same view. Uh, I'm an equal opportunity offender with this idea, which <laughs> says that it is not over to ratepayers to fund the rugby sevens, which they did. Mm. Now, the issue there for me is, is that World Rugby made $430 million profit last year. So why are ratepayers in Dinsdale and Frankton having to subsidise the shop window for World Rugby? Yeah, I'll pull you up on that one. The, all, all that uh, was provided was the ground at no charge, which wasn't, be, which wasn't being used anyway, and staff that were budgeted for anyway. And, in fact, a little... Profit but they are budgeted by ratepayers yeah, but who should have gone... Uh, the, the council should have gone to World Rugby and said, look, we are happy to give you the city for you to do this with. Yeah, yeah. But we are not big enough. We are not the major cities that are on the World Rugby Sevens ladder. And if you want the shop window, you made $430 million profit last year. You pay for it. The yeah, same thing is with the FIFA did. World yeah, Cup. They did. And the risk, was on, the risk was on the promotional company. And it actually turned a small profit for the council. The council actually made money on it. <clears throat> How much? Don't know. Know, I'd like to know. see how much. And if you actually yeah. add, again, it's these hidden costs, Mark. Mm. If you added up how much time was actually spent by the 20 staff that were involved in the Rugby Sevens, plus the free stadium, plus everything else involved in that, why were ratepayers in Dinsdale and Frankton having to subsidise a shop window for World Rugby? 
Same rule applies for the Soccer World Cup, the under-19s that was held a couple of years ago. FIFA has got more member nations than the United oh, Nations. It's yeah. one of the biggest political bodies on the planet. Why did ratepayers subsidise FIFA? Of mate, all of them. Mate, we've got to cut this short. Why? Because you're starting to win this argument. Got to go. Have a <laughs> Good on you, mate. Okay, okay, round one to me, Mark Bunting. Right. We'll, we'll talk next week. Stop us in one Bunting nil. Damn it. <laughs> It's time for the Free FM 89.0 Community Notices. For more episodes of this Community Access Radio Show, please visit freefm.org.nz. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this podcast possible by funding the Access Internet Radio Project.